Good morning. How is everyone? Good? All right. So we've got handouts for today's lesson and also uh, welcome everyone from Jeremy's class. I think they're in here this morning, so you're in for a treat. We're in the book of Ezekiel, uh, and this is the last class, so we're, we're finishing up. Uh, so we've got a handout for today's uh, lesson, and then also, if you weren't here last time and you want uh, a copy, this is uh, from from last week. Uh, we'll probably be getting into the last portion of this this sheet as well. So, any anybody need one of these copies? Okay. All right. Here we go. Start some of those around. So, I guess going back, looking at the the book of Ezekiel, if, if we kind of go back through it, this is uh, God's message to the uh, people living in in captivity in Babylon. So, if if we kind of summarize through the book real quick, we've got chapters one through three. This is where the glory of God appears to Ezekiel in a vision. And then he tells uh, Ezekiel to go to the children of Israel to speak to them his words. He sets him forth as a watchman, similar to the way uh, someone would blow the trumpet when the enemy is approaching. You know, God said, I need you to tell them the message that I have um, for them to, to warn them uh, in, in an attempt to for them to turn from their sins and to start uh, obeying God's commandments. Chapters uh, 4 through 5, we have symbolic acts showing the captivity that will come uh, to Jerusalem. Chapters 6 through 7, we have uh, indirect prophecies against the mountains and the lands of Israel. Chapters 8 through 11, we have the temple vision. This is where the elders come and sit before uh, Ezekiel. And then uh, he immediately has a vision. There's the the temple there. And in that, it shows all of the different... uh, the sins, the evilness, the things that, that the people are committing. Uh, we know that they were involved in making treaties, alliances with foreign nations, uh, and also worshiping these these idols from these foreign nations. And, and I guess you could say this is uh, spiritual adultery against God. Uh, also, they had shed much blood through the idolatrous practice. There was child sacrifice, so they had been guilty of filling Jerusalem with uh, innocent blood. And in chapters 12 through 24, there is God is going through and, and telling Israel what their sins are uh, through symbolic acts, through prophecies, through uh, oracles, through preaching things of that nature, and then Israel is compared to a variety of different things. They're compared to an outcast vine. They're compared to dross uh, in the furnace, where the dross is pretty much good for nothing. The corruption, the, the evilness has spread from uh, the rulers all the way down to the people, and their hearts are hardened, and they're set on... These idolatrous practices, the things, covetous things, and God sends them into captivity. There in verse, in chapter 24, we see finally, I guess after it's five and a half years of, of the first appearance to God, five and a half years later, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sets captivity to Jerusalem. 
and that will last for a couple of years. So in chapter 24, we see that captivity happen. And then in chapters 25 through 32, we see prophecies against some of the foreign nations. Um, some of the foreign nations had uh, aided or helped the Babylonians in, in trying to destroy Israel. Uh, and God, uh, I guess, speaks of the things that will happen against them, how they will be punished for the things that they had done. And then last week we got into chapters 33 through 39. We got through, I think, 37, right? We got through chapters 37. So, But in chapter 33, there, there's kind of a turn. So in 24, we see the siege happening. And then in chapter 33, we see the destruction of Jerusalem. So there's, there's someone from Jerusalem who had escaped uh, I guess the attack or the siege or the destruction, and he comes to and he tells them that the city has been destroyed. And then from that point on, we have or we see, I guess you could say the the, the prophecies of and the looking forward to the, the restoration of Israel. So in chapter 33, we see that the... Uh, Ezekiel is set again as a watchman to tell uh, the children of Israel the words that he's going to speak. And those the things that are being told are about the restoration, not, not the desolation, because this has already happened. So the, the children of Israel are there. They've been in captivity for probably 12, let's see, 598. This is uh, 12 years. Okay, in the 12th year, so... After the destruction in chapter 33, do you, do you remember what the children of Israel finally start to realize that we talked about last week in chapter 33? Because back in chapter 18, they, there, there's this proverb that the children of Israel are speaking. You know, uh, the fathers of eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And their thinking is we're, we're having to pay for the sins that our fathers had committed. But the message from God is, no, the soul that sins is the soul that will die. So there's that individual accountability that God expects, and they, they were all guilty. But in chapter 33, they start to realize, okay, our condition is because of the sins that, that we have committed. So they have that realization there. Uh, chapter 34 talks about the, the shepherds, the equal shepherds of Israel, referring to the, the kings. Uh, and then in, also in that chapter, we look forward to the good shepherd. There's also a mention of um, the shepherd being David, my servant David, which is in reference to Christ. This is a shepherd that will be, uh, I guess you could say, an eternal shepherd. And then also we see that covenant of peace. We see that in chapters 34 and 37. Um, chapter 35 is the, the judgment against Edom. Edom will suffer destruction because of what they had done, uh, because when the Babylonians were coming in to uh, take the city of Jerusalem, uh, the, the people of, Edom were, of Eden were aiding the Babylonians, and they were doing that because of a, an ancient hatred uh, what it says. Uh, chapter 36, we see the restoration of Israel, uh, God going through, or we see that going through, and God saying that He would 
uh, restore Israel. He would sanctify His name, uh, not because of the of the things that they had done, but because of God's name. He would uh, He would sanctify and make His name great among the nations. Chapter 37, we see that the children of Israel, who were a nation, who had died, it's the, the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. So the nation of Israel was no longer in existence. They had been destroyed. But God is saying that He will breathe life into them. They will come back. They will inherit the land. And they will once again become a nation. And then also we see the joining of the two six in chapter 37, which brings us to chapter 38. So chapters 38 and 39, which is that last page of the handout we had last week. So chapters 38 and 39 talk about uh, Gog of Magog. Does, does anybody know who that is or what nation this is, what people that is? or There's been a lot of speculation and talk about that and nobody really knows. But when we're reading through these, cha- these two chapters, 38 and 39, there's... there's I guess you could say seven oracles throughout the chapter, and each of them begin with, Thus says the Lord. Uh, we'll read some from those, so if you'll want to turn to chapter 38. And so we're reading through this. It's not really important, the, the literal, I guess you could say the literal meaning, or to take this literally to figure out exactly who it is, but it's more of the, the thought, what's, what's being communicated. Because the children of Israel have been in captivity. Jerusalem has been destroyed. And back in chapter 33, it says, okay, we we have no hope now. What are we going to do? And the message from God is to turn and live, to repent. So they're thinking they they need some sort of uh, encouragement, I guess you could say. Because the nation is no more and they've been dispersed. So this, this message here... and. We've already got in 33 through 37, chapters 33 through 37, God will restore Israel. He will take them back to the land. They will inherit it. And then this kind of alludes to after they're back in the land. So let's start reading some here. So uh, we've got the summary there, and it's divided up into chapter 38, verses 1 through 6. But it really starts there in verse where it says, Thus says the Lord. So in verse 3, it says, And thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Mechish, and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen. Uh, so we're, we're kind of introduced to who this is, and then also in the following verses there through verse 6, it, it tells about some of the other uh, nations or people. It, and it's basically a summary of, of, of the enemies. So the enemies of the children of Israel, once they come back into the land. Uh, chat, uh, verse 10, it says, Thus says the Lord God, on the day it shall come to pass that the thoughts will arise in your mind, talking about this enemy. Thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. And this is the evil plan. He says, You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of the dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. So this this is the idea of the enemy wanting to come 
to attack a people that live in unwalled villages, I guess, that are living at peace, and they say, okay, we'll just go in and attack, take what we want, and then leave. Verse 14, the next one. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, thus says the Lord God. He said, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, you will know it. You will come from your place out of your far north, and many peoples will come with you, all of the riding horses, a great company, and a mighty army. So here you kind of see that the the army of, of this enemy will come against uh, Israel. And then there in verse, let's see, 16, You will come against my people like, the, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed, hallowed in you. Okay? And it says that this is what was prophesied previously there in verse 17. And then we go to, I guess, 17 there. It says, this is the, what is that, the fourth one, right? One, two, three, four. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days, my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years for days? Uh, Verse 18, it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, that my fury will show in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Okay, and then, and then also in verse 22, he said, I will bring him uh, to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. Back in 22, I think, I will call for a sword against Gog throughout the mountains. Uh, every man's sword will be against his brother. So we see kind of a description of Gog. It's, it's the enemies there. They have this evil plan that they will come against Israel. The the army is is kind of mobilized. They will come against them. And then 17 through 23 talks about um, the destruction. And also God will be magnified and sanctified in the eyes of many nations. In many nations. The next one, chapter 39, verses 1 through 16. Verse 1. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, uh, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Makesh, and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. And if, if you notice something, uh, when, these, when this, this enemy comes against the land of Israel, uh, do you notice anything about them coming up? What, what does the text say there? They, will they just come up of their own accord? It says, uh, And I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. So it, it's this, what we've seen throughout the entire book, God is in control. So we see here that, that God will bring this enemy against Israel. And then in verse 3, Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand and you shall fall on the mountains of Israel. And in all of this happening, God will bring this enemy against them, he will defeat them, and then God will be hallowed among the nations. And then in verse 17, 39 verse 17, And as far as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird, uh, to every beast of the field. And this, going through, all the way through, I think, chapter, verse 20, 
4, there's this sacrificial meal because of the destruction. It, it, it's kind of, you know, this, this enemy would be defeated. They'll be in the fields. They will be, I guess, the birds and the beasts will have a great feast there. So it, it's, uh, and then also the, the weapons that they leave will, will be able to, to build and have a fire for, I think, seven years or so. Uh, so it, it's a great defeat uh, that God will, will perform against this enemy. And then also uh, the land restored to Israel. So in, cha- in verse 25, I think on the handout I had last time that uh, the, that sixth uh, oracle was 17 through 21. That's actually 17 through 24. And then in verse 25, we have the last one where it says... Let's see, I'm in chapter 40. Sorry, I turned too many pages there. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face. Okay, verse 25. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After they have borne their shame, this is the punishment they will suffer going into captivity uh, for the sins that they have committed. They will suffer. They will have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid when I brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of the enemy's lands and I am hollowed in the sight of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them any more, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. So these words are, I guess you could say, you know, with the, the children of Israel being in captivity there, these are, you know, very good words of comfort. Um uh, you know, in that God, you know, even though you're suffering or you're paying the penalty, I guess you could say, for the sins you've committed, you will be brought back later. And then any enemy that tries to stand or come against you, God will be there to protect them, to uh, see that they dwell safely and securely. So, thoughts, questions, comments? Okay. Chapters 40 through 48, we're going to continue the prophecy, uh, the prophecies of restoration. Uh, this is divided into three different sections. Uh, I've put on there the temple, worship, and then uh, the land. So in, in chapters 40 through 43, there is a, a description of the temple. And again, when we start reading this, we'll read a little bit in chapter 40, and then I think also in... in uh, Chapter 43. So, this is a vision that Ezekiel has. So, we know in a vision that everything is supposed to be taken literally, right? No, it's it's not. So, it's it's the thought, the meaning. So, some of these things we can't take literal. You know, in the description of the temple, it's not exactly the same as the other temples that were built. Um, and so it will mention throughout these these verses. It will reference uh, to Zadok the priest. It will reference uh, a prince uh, that will rule over the people. 
Uh, and then also it will talk about uh, the different sacrifices and the descriptions of how these sacrifices are done and, and what is to be taken and sacrificed is different from what was given uh, in the Law of Moses. So there are some differences there. So it, it's more of what is God trying to communicate uh, through this prophecy to the children of Israel. And also this prophecy or this vision doesn't happen until some years later. So chapters 33 through 39 come in the 12th year of the captivity. Chapters 40 through 48 come in the 25th year. So this is, what is that, 13? Is that right? 13 years difference there. So they get the message of restoration. Uh, The first one, 12 years into the captivity, and then the second one is there in 40 through 48, and it's chapter 25. And so it's kind of a continuation and if you if you look at chapter 29, Ezekiel will have one more prophecy after this uh, where God will communicate to him, and it's, it's concerning Egypt, one of the prophecies against Egypt. That comes in the 27th year of the captivity there in chapter 29. So this is two years before his last, I guess, prophecy. So this is in the 25th year, and... You know, the children of Israel are, are dwelling in captivity, dwelling in captivity. And I guess you could say that they, it's good to have this continual encouragement and reassurance that, that God will restore them to their land and that God will once again, once He takes them there, be their God and He will, they will be His people. So, chapter 40, verses 1 through 4. I'd like to read the first four verses there. It says, in the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was captured, this is after Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians, he said, on that very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me. He took me there in visions, in the visions of God. He took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like a structure of a city. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, uh, and he had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. And so from that point, we'll just just read through verse 5. It says, And the man said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and fix your mind on everything I will show you. For you were brought here so that I might declare them to you, declare to the house of Israel everything that you see. Now there was a wall around the outside of the temple, and the man's hand was a measuring rod, six cubits. Each had a cubit in his hand breadth, and he measured with the width of the wall uh, structure one rod and, and the height one rod. So again, 25th year, he's beginning to prophesy. There's this man standing there. Uh, with with a measuring stick in his hand, and then now he is going to go out and start measuring things. And if you look at the sheet, it kind of gives sort of an overview of what's going through uh, or what's going on in each of these. So starting in chapter 40 and verse 5 there, we see the dimensions of the outer court. It's described. Uh, We see the wall and the east gate there in verses 5 through 16. The outer court area uh, in general, there in verses 17 through 19, and then also in, in verses 20 through 27, we see uh, the north and the south gates. 
So, verses 5 through 27, it's kind of a descriptive of, of the outer court. And then in verses 28 through 47, we see some descriptions of the inner court. Uh, the inner court, the equipment for the sacrifices, the priest chambers. And then also in, in verses 44 through 47, we first see mention of Zadok. Uh, does anybody remember who Zadok was? Right, he was a priest. He was a descendant of Aaron, or a descendant of Phineas in particular. Uh, he uh, served during the reign of Solomon. We can read about him in 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2. Um, so there, there's a reference here given to Zadok, and he'll be mentioned three, I think, three or four more times. I've got um, listed out there um, in the places where he's mentioned there in chapter 43, chapter 44. And this is in reference to, I guess, the Zadok as priest. There were, um, God God goes through and he talks about the the priests that can uh, come near to him to serve in the sanctuary. And he said the descendants of Zadok because they did not go astray with all of the sins that Israel had committed. So this is... And then also the other Levites who did go astray and sinned and and did all of these abominations, they would not come near uh, to God, but they would um, have, I guess you could say, some menial tasks there uh, in the sanctuary or in uh, in the temple. Okay. Back in chapter 40, 40 through 49, where we see the dimensions or some of the uh, descriptive um, description of the porch. Also, the holy place and the most holy place in chapter 41, verses 1 through 4. We see the side chambers in verses 5 through 12 in chapter 41. Um, the measurements, decorations, the furnishings of the temple in verses 13 through 26. We get into chapter 42. We see the priest chambers and also uh, the the outer court, verses 15 through 20. The area measurements uh, in general, and then in verse chapter 43, beginning in verse one. So we we see this description of all the different areas within the temple, and then all of a sudden in chapter 43, after the temple is completed, we see God returning to. His temple. So let's read in chapter 43. We'll read the first four verses, and well, I guess we'll just stop and comment as we go along. If anybody else has any comments or questions, just we could stop. So in chapter 43, and I guess before we read that, when Solomon built the temple, um, you know, after it was all done, we saw where the Lord had come to the temple, smoke filled the temple, no one was able to go into it. So we kind of see that that kind of uh, imagery here, I guess, as we read through this. So chapter 43, verse 1, it said, Afterward he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. So do you remember the first temple vision back in chapters 8 through 11? At the very end, we see God was left the holy place, left the threshold of the temple, left the city. He was in the mountains toward the east, God leaving the temple. 
here in this temple vision, we see God returning. Right. And, you know, he was in the east. Well, we see him coming from the east. Okay. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the and the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. So that's where the first vision came from uh, when, when Ezekiel was there by the river Chabar. He sees that same type of vision, and that was a... Do you remember what the vision was? It's kind of like this... the throne chariot, I guess you could say. You can go back and read it in chapters uh, 1 and I think also chapter 10. Alright, and the glory of the Lord, and, and what it represented was just God's glory. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces toward the east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So we see God returning to the temple um, and then he speaks there in verses, the next few verses, I think it's verse 6, all the way down through 12. Then I heard him speaking to me from the temple. While a man stood beside me, he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name, nor shall... They nor their kings by their harlotry or with the carcasses of the kings on their high places. When they set their threshold by my threshold and their doorpost by my doorpost with a wall between them and me, they defiled my holy name by the abominations which they committed. Therefore, I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put their harlotry and carcasses of their kings far away from me. And I will dwell in their midst forever. So there's that, I guess, that conditional statement there. What are the people to do in order that God will dwell with them forever? They're right to obey their word and put away their abominations. Right, because God cannot dwell in the midst of sin. Right. Yep. Exactly. And he says, Son of man, describe this temple to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. So we see the word, the pattern there. There's a pattern. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the the design of the temple and its arrangements, its exits and its entrances, its design and all its ordinances and its forms uh, and all its laws. Write it down in their sight so that they may keep its whole design and all its ordinances and perform them. This is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintops is most holy. Behold, it is the law of the temple. Okay, we see God returning then. And then the rest of the chapter 43 talks about uh, the altar of burnt offerings, its measurements, its statutes. Uh, We see mentioned of, of Zadok there. Again, it's symbolic of the people that hadn't defiled themselves could come close to serve God, but the ones that had would not be able to. Getting into chapters 40 through 46, we see uh, the, the worship. We see qualifications for the temple, for service. Um, 
Also, there's uh, that's in chapter 44, verses 4 through 27. There's a holy portion of land allotted to the priests and the prince in 45, uh, 1 through 8. We see community and temple regulations, the practice, you know, they're to practice righteousness and justice. There are the sacrifices, the days that they are to um, observe. That's in 45 or 40, 45 and 46. And then 47 through 48, we see the land. So in chapter 47, there is this uh, image of, of water flowing from the temple. And it goes and it becomes a great river and it flows into other lands and it starts, I guess you could say, bringing life to the area where the trees and things will, will, will grow. So it's, it's a symbolic imagery of, of God's blessings that He will pour out uh, on the people there. And then also we see the division of the land uh, in chapters 47, 13 through 48, 29. Uh, we, we see the, uh, in, in chapter 47, verses 13 through 20, it talks about the, the promised inheritance, referring to God keeping His promise. Uh, we see that promise that was made in Genesis chapter 22, 2 Samuel chapter 7, that um, not only would God uh, give them the land, but also God would, would set up... Uh, uh, Bless them through uh, sending Jesus. Uh, and then in chapter 48, verses 30 through 35, or 35 there, um, it talks about a city. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from there shall be the Lord is there. So this is the conclusion of the book and the conclusion of Ezekiel's message, but the message that he's he's given them there is um, uh, a message of encouragement, a message of comfort, uh, a message that God will bring them back, God will be their God, dwell with them, uh, and they would be able to dwell or live securely with Him being their God and them being His people. So that was the, the message that he was sending to them, words of comfort. But I think also at the same time, if you look at that, these could be words of comfort uh, for us as well. Yeah. And, you know, the God that they served is, is the same God that we serve now. And he expects pretty much the same thing. He expects us to uh, display our faith in obedience to the commandments that he's given to us. And in so doing, He will bless us. Okay? Thoughts? Questions? No? Well, we've covered 11 chapters and we've gotten done before the second bell, which is a first, isn't it? All right. So I guess if there's no questions, I'll give you some time here then. Oh, there it is. All right. Thanks a lot.